Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Isaiah, the ninth chapter and the sixth verse. Brother Steve started off last Sunday morning with this verse, and I went, Stop that! That's my verse for next week. But it's okay. It bears repeating. Hallelujah. So we're going we're gonna to see a couple of things this morning. I've got several other things I want to read to you today. We're just going to kind of find a place to fit them in. And, um, and, just, and uh, like I say, part of this is Christmas related. Part of it is not. So anyway, here we go. Isaiah 10, or verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us... A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want to concentrate on the very first Part of this ver- of verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. That seems like such a normal statement. You know, unto us a child is born, unto us a son. Well, that happens every single day. Around the clock, a child is born, a son is given. But this was no ordinary child, and it was no ordinary son. None at all. Not, not ordinary, but unique in every way. You know, you, if, you, if you look at this, unto us a son is given. You know, a son is the one who carries on the family name. The son is the one who carries on the family heritage. You know, and, and this son wasn't born of two natural parents. You know, over in the book of Genesis, it talks about the seed of woman. And so the seed that came from this, this, for this son was a seed that came from woman and it was met by the power of the Holy Ghost and conception took place. Not ordinary in any way. But, you know, the Bible calls him the only begotten son of God. But the only begotten son made a way for there to be many more sons and daughters. He may have been the only begotten. He may have been the firstborn. But I'm telling you what, there's been a whole host of sons and daughters ever since then that he made a way for us. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, I just, I, I can't even, I can't even go here without, without reading some of this stuff. It's his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But I'm telling you what, there's more names than that. I want you to listen to this. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Alpha and Omega, Emmanuel, King of Kings, Light of the World, Bright and Morning Star, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the World, the Good Shepherd, the Way, the Lord of Lords, Anointed One, Bread of Life, Chief Cornerstone, the Great High Priest, the Holy and Righteous One, the Lord of Glory, the Messiah, the Teacher, the Truth, the Word of God, the Son of God, the True Vine, the Author and Finisher of our Faith, the Resurrection, the Redeemer, the Rose of Sharon, the Healer, the 
Lion of Judah, the Deliverer, the Only Begotten Son, the Holy One of Israel, the Advocate, the Fountain of Living Waters, the Rod, the Dayspring, and the Christ. And that's probably not all of them. Hallelujah. His name, this son has a name that's above every name. And because he has that name, he's given us the rights to his name. Hallelujah. And we see it every single day. We see the benefits of that name. And and I'm sorry, but you're going to have to just listen with me. That same son, that same son is revealed in every book of the Bible. Every book of the Bible. Just listen. In Genesis, he's the seed of woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman and redeemer. In 1 and 2 Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In 1 and 2 Kings, he is the Lord our king. In 1 and 2 Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful spouse. In Nehemiah, he's the builder of broken down walls. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he's our Redeemer. In Psalms, he is the Lord, our Shepherd. In Proverbs, he's our Wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our Lover. In the Song of Solomon, he's our Beloved Fair One. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he's the Balm of Gilead. In Lamentations, he's the Weeping Prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the Wonderful Four-Faced Man. In Daniel, he's the Fourth Man, the Fiery Furnace. In Hosea, he's the Faithful Husband. In Joel, he's the Holy Ghost, the Baptizer. In Amos, he's the Burden Bearer. In Obadiah, he's mighty to save. In Jonah, he's our foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist. In Zephaniah, he's our savior. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain open in the house of David. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. He is the word. In Acts, he's the foundation of the church. In Romans, he's our justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the Christ with unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God that supplies all of our needs. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's our soon and coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's the faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is our great physician. In First and Second Peter, he is the chief shepherd. In First, Second, and Third John, he is love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with ten thousand of his saints. And in Revelation, he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No ordinary son, no ordinary heritage, no ordinary lineage. I'm telling you what, he is everything to us. Hallelujah. This son, this son has been given to us. Oh, what a wonderful thing. A son, a son has been given. The most precious thing God had, he gave. And he made all these things his son to be and to be for us. He didn't need it. He didn't need all of those things, but you and I definitely needed it. Every one of these things. And in every book of the Bible, he's revealed, you know, as the need that we have already had met with all of these things. But I'm telling you what, there's more to the story. If that first part said, unto us a child is born. 
you know, that the devil never really thought. We, you know, we had a service a few, just, just a short time ago about the plan of God, how God had a plan. And an enemy never could have dreamed that the plan was made manifest in a baby. A baby. A baby, helpless. A baby who can do nothing for himself except get mama's attention. A baby. What in the, what's the world's a baby going to do? Whoa, how, how brilliant God is. How brilliant that he put the plan into motion from the day man was created just about. He put a plan in motion for a child to come into this world and a child to, to be the savior of the world. Go with me now to Luke. There's something about this child. You know, it went on in, in Isaiah, and it began to talk about, about uh, the, the, the increase of his government upon the throne of David and his kingdom and, and all this. But in, in Luke chapter 2, I just want you to, to look in verse 8. And it says, There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now listen to this verse. And this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You know, if you've been around at all, you've had... Pictures, you've seen pictures, you've heard story, the, the Christmas story. You know, we talk, we think about a babe in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. But there is so much involved in this one verse. When you go back to Isaiah and you see about all these things that Jesus was going to do, the increase of his government, you know, all, all that. I'm telling you, God's, the destiny of this child was already established. And, and, and here, when you, see, when you read this verse, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. His destiny was already there. Listen to this. I had, I had never read this just like this before, but somebody posted this, uh, another pastor friend, and, and I read this, and, and I thought this, this bears sharing with you this morning. It's called the manger lamb. God is in the details, amazingly so. Man, mangers are feed troughs. In ancient Israel and still in the Middle East, they're made of stone, not wood, stone. In a pinch, they can be a protective bassinet. That's why the priests of Bethlehem would place lambs in them. Not all lambs, just those that were without blemish and suitable for the blood sacrifices, sacrifices to cover sin. These were lambs Bethlehem was known for. Near the hills, there was a tower named Migdal Eder, and the flocks nearby produced lambs for sacrifice. When the time neared, the priests chose the lambs for sacrifice, those without blemishes. To protect them, they'd wrap them snugly in cloth. They would swaddle them. Then they'd lay the lanes in the stone mangers for until their time came. Manger is only mentioned in one account of Jesus' birth in Luke, and now all this should make sense to you. However, on that holy night long ago, there was only a small group of people who would understand its significance. Those who heard the words, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. Shepherds. Bethlehem area shepherds of the sacrificial flock. The shepherds knew what the swaddling cloth in the manger meant. This will be a sign unto you, the angel said, and it was. It wouldn't have been a sign to many, but to them, most definitely. And this detail was staggering. The long-expected Messiah King wasn't destined for a palace in this world. No, the Lamb of God was going to be sacrificed. 
the day he was born, his destiny was assured. The plan of God was already laid out. And it was a plan he would fulfill. Listen, even though the enemy didn't expect a babe, he's always been, at first, I should say, because later he did realize there was a child that was important. But the enemy has always had it in his mind to destroy the, the work of God. You are his handiwork. He's always had a plan to destroy you. And he's always had an interest in destroying children who were destined to deliver people. You see it with Moses. You see it with Joseph. You even see it with somebody like Samson. You see it certainly with Jesus. In the day and the age that we live, he is still attempting to destroy those who can deliver others. That's why when Roe versus Wade was put into law in this country, he thought he had won a great victory. Abortion has killed so many children that were destined to be deliverers to somebody. And right now, he's, he's, he's fighting tooth and nail to keep that from being overturned. You listen, as far as I'm concerned, the, the moment conception begins, that's life. There is no timetable for whether it's viable or whether it's not viable. It's a life that God has preordained to exist because he says that he knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. He knew us. And when he knows us, it means he already has a plan for each and every one of us. Our life has meaning. It has purpose. It has, it has a destiny that needs to be fulfilled. He has a plan already set out there for us. And right now, if, if, he's, if he's struggling so hard to keep this as a choice for women, now he's going another direction. He's adding to that direction. He's adding the indoctrination of our children into it. And I'm telling you what, it's more dangerous right now than it's ever been. If he can't get a child, you know, to not even come into this world through abortion, he will take the children who are born into this world and he will corrupt and pollute their thinking and their minds and their lives to keep them from attaining what God has already planned for them and from being what God wants them to be. You know, over in in, uh, Joshua 24, verse 15, he said, as for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't have any qualms about it. No hesitation. No, no, okay, except for this. There, there were no exceptions. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, to be honest and to be fair, every child who's ever born will grow up and will have to make their own choice. You, a, parent, a parent can do all they can, you know, to, to, to take them and to, and to train them. But in the end, that child will have a choice. But you know, Deuteronomy says, I set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose you. Choose. And he says, goes on and says, choose life. He tells you which one's the best one. It should be obvious, but you know it's not as obvious to people as as what we think it is sometimes. Because you and I are looking at it without the blinders. We're looking at it through the lens of the word. They're not. And so they don't know that this is what life is. 
And this is death. They see it in a totally different way. That's why you have to go around praying for people that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of his calling. Because they can't see it. And if they can't see it, they can't make the right choice. But you and I as parents have an obligation to make sure that we present the life of God and what he's done for us in the best possible way. You know, Psalm 145, 4 says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and to declare thy mighty acts. You know, when you first read that, you may have a tendency, just like I did at one time, to think that that's from parent to child to child to child because every generation comes along with a new with a new generation coming up under it but i'm telling you what this can also apply to this this body of believers who are called a chosen generation to a lost generation it doesn't have to be somebody biological in your life but if you are of the chosen generation the ones who's who are called by the name of the lord the ones who have been who've been purchased and redeemed and brought back from a place of darkness if you're part of that chosen generation that royal priesthood it's up to you to declare the mighty works of god to the generation who's lost in this world hallelujah proverbs 22 6 says to train up a child in the way she, they should go. To train is to do, do so, to be an example. By not just by what you say, but what you do. You know, it, and it, it really, unfortunately, there are many in the church who are faithful to church, who bring their children up in church. But because they themselves do not set the right example and the right training, their children never see the right picture of who God is. They never see the right picture of what this is all about. How many people have raised their children in church just to see their children go off into a life that's not what God planned for them? Because in front of their children, they lived, lived a life that was empty. It was religion they were religious, but at home, they did not set the example. They didn't ex- set the example before their children of what it meant to serve God, to per- put God first in their lives, to put God above everything else and what the word has to say as the final authority. People are questioning the word of God. They question whether this is real. I was on... on on Cindy Black's website the other day because Shekinah Glory was with them last week. And so I was watching part of their service. And I noticed the comment section, you know, underneath, you know, where they had put their service online. And it was, it was, I was just like, are you kidding me? There were multiple comments in that thread about how this is just garbage and, and how you're just fooling people and how you're just trying to make people believe in some spirit in the sky somewhere that doesn't even exist. I mean, it was, I'm just going like, really? Why, why would you do, did you even watch any of this? You, you, are you just picking some church out you know, to put some garbage text on? I don't know. But there are people who have no idea how rich this is, how true this is. And as a parent, if you can't demonstrate that to your children, they'll grow up to make the same kind of comments to somebody else. We can't afford that. They can't afford that. Every child is born with a plan from God. 
And it's our job to train them in the ways of God. It's our job to teach them about what Pastor's been talking about, about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and what that means in the life of the believer. It's our job to accept the example of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's our job to show them, demonstrate to them, and and entrust them to learn what it is like to walk in the power of God. It is up to us to, to show them how they can believe God for themselves. It is our job to show them how the word is true no matter what the world says about it. No matter what somebody else's experience and how they were raised says about it. That's our job is to train them. Not to have a form of religion. Not to have just lip service. But to have a real relationship with the things, with God and with the things of God. To have a relationship with the word. The written word. The spoken word. To come to love the things that God loves. And to hate the things that God hates. Yeah, does he hate them? Yeah, there are things he hates. There's a list of them in the Old Testament. You can see them. And, and it's, it's our job to see, not to, be, not to be mean with people, but to love people. To demonstrate the love of God to people. To demonstrate what it means to walk in love to your brothers and sisters in the Lord, as well as to the people outside. To show them what the love of God is all about. To let them see that. To, have, to show them a love for the local church even. Because in these last days, what's God doing? He's raising up strong local churches. He's teaching us how to be strong and how to go out and to change the world that we go into every single day. Because you and I have jobs. You know, we go out into the world, we go to the grocery store, we go out into the world, we go to ball games, we go out into the world, we go to, our, to school, we go out to the world. Those are the worlds that need changing. And he wants us to go out and to change those things. And if we don't let them see that the church is one of the most important things that God is doing in the world today, they won't be equipped to do what they need to do. They won't be equipped to live the life God intends for them to live. They won't be equipped to enjoy the blessings and the benefits that God intends for them to walk in every single day while they're here. They won't be equipped to immediately go when trial and and, and crisis and tests come. They won't be equipped to say, no, the word says. The word says. The word says. The word says. I know who my Redeemer is. I know whose I am and who I belong to. I know without a shadow of a doubt whose hands have me, who's protecting me, who's watching over me, who's giving me answers, who's giving me protection, who's giving me everything. They won't know that. Some little meme somebody put up not long ago that I saw, and I can't quote it exactly, was something like this. If you raise your children to believe that church is optional, one day they will believe that God is not necessary. Church is not optional, folks. I don't care how good a ball player your kid is. That will not give them the answers for life. I don't care what they get involved in life. Whatever they get involved in as far as a vocation, as far as a hobby, as far as something that they're really interested in, will not give them the answers that the Word is going to give them. And they need to know that. They need to know it. They need to know so that when they become grown and they're out on their own, which is our job, 
is to raise them, to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's, that's our job. So that when they get grown and they begin families, the heritage that you put in them is passed on so they can pass it on to the next generation and the subsequent generation after that and the generation after that. I'm telling you what, what I had in my heart today was to let you know that our children are the most valuable commodity that we have. That we must love them. We must care for them. We must educate them in the things of God. We must demonstrate that it works. That it's real. That there is a God who loves us. And he always has our best interest in mind. No matter if it's something we like or we don't like. Broccoli I don't particularly like, but it's good for me. There are things in the Word that you may not particularly like, but it's good for you. They need to be able to have a balanced diet in the Word of God. And so they can grow up to be strong and grow up to be people who know their God and do great exploits. It's up to us to, to, to not let the fact that a child was born go to waste. No child who's ever born should go to waste. This one of the Bible did not go to waste. Oh, the riches, the riches that his birth has brought to us. Unfathomable, cannot be calculated, cannot be measured, cannot be dismissed lightly. People are doing it, but they shouldn't be. We are here to make sure. You say, well, I don't have kids at home anymore. You have influence with children everywhere. You have influence still with children who aren't little anymore. As a parent, your job of parenting goes on until the day you go to heaven and beyond. Because what you leave behind should still be teaching them after you're gone. There is a legacy and a heritage that you should have that, that stays put with them. So that they look back and they go, my, my grandma, she taught me. She lived it. She, 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 she showed me how to do this. We cannot allow this world to keep indoctrinating our children. Many are the, are the children who have who've grown up in church, loved God as teenagers, loved the word, went off to school, and the education system of this world changed them. Suddenly what they see in black and white in the word it's not how God wants them to live is okay suddenly how they should conduct themselves is no big deal suddenly there are no standards but there are standards God has a standard and he wants us to make sure our children know what those standards are to be legalistic no to be free it to be free Knowing the standard that God sets for them is a freeing thing because you always got something that's, it's just like on a compass, it's true north. God sets standards for our children that we should put into them so they always know where true north is. Where they bring them back. When the world pulls them away, tries to say, no, this is the direction you need to be going, God says, his word says, no, this is the direction. This is where your safety is. This is where your protection is. This is where your blessing is. This is where the plan for you is. This is your destiny. This is what I have already prepared for you. So today, partly Christmas, partly not. Unto us a child is born. A son is given.
Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for the children that you've placed in our care, no matter what ages that they are. And we know, Lord, that, you know, for those of us who, who were into the things of God when our children were born, we've had, we have an advantage of being able to train them, to mold them in such a way that they never have to go out into this world and learn the hard way. Some maybe didn't come into this until much later. But, Father, I know there's grace still for those children to bring them into the fold. We know that maybe some children aren't born into places where, where there's a godly influence of any kind. But, Father, that's our job as, this, as our chosen generation to reach those who were never told, who were never taught, who were never exposed to the grandness of your plan to the beauty of what you've done for us, to the inexhaustible riches of the life they can have in Christ Jesus. It's our job to bring them in, and it's possible. And so today, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that it is our one true standard. We thank you it is is the thing that, that keeps us steady in this life, keeps us on the right path, keeps us going in the right direction, and enables us to make a difference everywhere we go. Thank you that a child was born. Thank you that a son has been given to us. Oh, we marvel at the plan that you had. And we marvel at the plan that goes on every single day. That plan continues to unfold in our lives. And we are so grateful for it. Father, we just thank you today for the time that we've had together. We thank you that we go out of here changed. We thank you we go out of here renewed in spirit. We thank you that we go out of here today with grateful hearts for what you've done, are doing, and will continue to do in our lives. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless your name. Sevraha beshteke mansugraba. Egre veshtebeshte menginja sabraha gedere. Ven dokunja sekele bedishta bahangele hitje sebete kidamba kalere. Yen jonzo sikede ishte nakaha yedista kemande. For I am the Father who keeps covenant with you. And the things that you've seen me do is just the beginning of all that I want to do. So let each thing that I've done in the past be a memorial stone that causes you to look for more and strive for more and go after more. Oh, for I will not fail and I will not let you down. For everything that you've seen in my word, I will do for you. So put your faith out in a fresh way and declare my word in a fresh way and declare the covenant over your life in a fresh way. For I am the Father. Who keeps covenant with my children? Have I not sent my son? Have I not shed his blood? Have I not given all? Oh, and I will not hold anything back in this year, says the Lord. If you put your faith out and declare what is yours. God, glory to God, hallelujah. Oh, the Father is good. That's a good word to take into the new year. Hallelujah. If you want to set the tone for 2022, that's a good word. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.